Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. file. Madison Baumgartner is a hippophile. That's the nothing personal word of the day. What does that mean? He's a lover of horses. Can you imagine that right now it's being reported that Madison Baumgartner chose the Diamondbacks because that's where he and his wife keep their horses and they want to be closer to them? Give me a small break. If the Toronto Blue Jays had offered a fifth year, he would have taken his horses to Toronto. Unless, of course, there are no horses allowed in Canada. But there are. So I appreciate the fact that a player wants to be close to where his horses are or to where there's a better school system the way Mike Hampton did back in the days of signing with the Colorado Rockies or because they like the minor league system the way Manny Machado said last year that he studied San Diego's minor league system and was super excited about it. So that's why I signed with the Padres. What always makes me smile about these players when they say it is why not tell them, tell me. You love horses. I'm fine with that. But admit that no other team offered that fifth year. We know the Giants, the team where you really will go into the Hall of Fame wearing a Giants cap. Three rings. Yet, they only offered you four years, which was, as we talked about, on CBS Sports HQ, on this show. The fact of the matter is, we know very well that you had to take that deal with Arizona, and the Giants had to offer you a deal in order to save face with the fan base. It all makes sense to me. And it was all fine. I'm calm. I'm cool. I'm collected. And then all of a sudden, I hear about your horses. So I thought to myself, what's a perfect word of the day? And it was just a hippophile. Now, that is a negative connotation. It's not pedophile. It's just a file. It's not a xenophile. It's a hippophile, which is strange, because that would normally be a hippopotamus. But this is someone who loves horses to the point where it actually impacts their life. This was perfect because I guess the truth is that loving horses did impact Madison Baumgartner's life because he was forced to take a contract that he otherwise would not have taken. Does anyone actually believe that? If you've got a word of the day that you want, people have started to DM me some words of the day. It's not so you want to talk to Samson. That's a totally different part of the show. But if you've got, I've had these very interesting sort of SAT words like gregarious. Someone said they want me to talk about gregarious I don't know how to fit that in, though I do love that word. Well, we're going to move on because what you're going to hear next is shocking to me. I've had to deal a lot with the Players Union, both Major League Baseball, Players Union, members of the union, players, agents. What happened with the NFL yesterday is something the likes of which I have never seen in 18 years in sports and really in my life as a lover of sports. Let me give you a little background. 
The NFL Players Association, that's the same as the MLB Players Association, the NFLPA, their job is to make sure that the collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners, that every provision is upheld, that when the owners commit to do something in the agreement, that they stand by it. Just as the commissioner's office in each league, their job is to make sure that anything the players are supposed to do, they do it. Then you have teams who try to stretch the collective bargain agreement. They try to test out different provisions that may not be totally clear or totally written out what is supposed to happen. And in the case of a disagreement, there's something called a grievance. A grievance is when the union and the team and the commissioner's office together on one side, the union on the other, they go before an arbitrator. Sometimes it's a one-man arbitration panel or a woman, a one-person arbitration panel. Sometimes it's a three-member arbitration panel. But in any case, the arbitration process is set to sort of be the referee to interpret the collective bargaining agreement. Well, it turns out that there was a result of a grievance that was just announced yesterday, and it was a grievance by the league, so players do not file grievances. It's the union and the league. The union files the grievance against the league, and they actually get numbers. So let's say you're in 2019, and it's the first grievance in baseball, that case number would be 2019-2019-1. And you know how many grievances there are when you get your grievance number and it's 2019-30, that's not a great year. I was the part of a lot of grievances. I'll talk about them as this show continues through different episodes. You've heard the Toby Borland grievance story. That's an example where you just can't find an agreement with a player and you are forced to actually go all the way to hearing. So this was a grievance filed by the union against the Jacksonville Jaguars for making a player show up to the off-season rehab facility on site in order to rehab an injury. The player remains nameless, but now, of course, it's been leaked and it was Dante Fowler. But the, that's not a spoiler alert. You've heard the story, and it doesn't matter. He's now a matter of, he's a member of the Rams. The only relevant part to this story is that the grievance went forward all the way it is clear that the Jaguars violated the collective bargaining agreement, which is very clear that you cannot force a player to do off-season rehab at a facility of your choosing, on-site, with your team. And the Jaguars forced Fowler to do that and then fined him when he didn't show up. 25 fines up to $700,000. Well, guess what? Fowler got his $700,000 back. He doesn't have to pay the fine. But this story got crazy when the National Football League Players Association released a statement announcing the victory that they had over the Jaguars. They go through the decision made by the arbitrator, and they explain that under the CBA, clubs cannot require rehabilitation or any medical appointments at team facilities during the offseason. I get that. Who wants to be in Jacksonville any longer than you have to? I understand we never had a problem having anybody at our facilities in Miami because who doesn't want to be in Miami during the offseason? Winter months. But of course, we understand that we were not allowed to force players to do that. So the Players Association continues on and everything's looking fine until the last sentence. In the last two years, more than 25% of the grievances filed by players in the entire league were filed against the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, that's a good fact, good note, end the press release right there. But the union couldn't help it. They continued. You as players may want to consider this when you have a chance to select your next club. 
I can't, I, I, I assumed it was a typo, a mistake. Have you ever been on Twitter where you respond to a tweet that you think is real, but it turns out the article was from like seven years ago and not related at all? It's sort of the new version of being catfished. Well, it's happened to me where I'll think something's real and then the producer Coco will whisper in my ear or text to me. He doesn't actually whisper in my ear. We have this earpiece, but he'll actually text me like, no man, that's, don't talk about that. That's way old. So I assumed that this was a joke because this is the Players Association actually putting in writing, telling its players that you may want to consider this when you have a chance to select your next club. The union has one job to do, and their job is to represent the players in in getting, A, the most money they can, B, making sure that every provision of the collective bargain agreement is adhered to, and C, ensuring labor peace for generations to come. That's my view of what a players association is for, much as my view is what a commissioner's office is for, to make sure that all teams are appreciating in value, to make sure that games are played, and to make sure that revenue continues to be generated both for players and for owners. So why is it that you would tell players not to sign with the Jaguars? Why is it there's even an opportunity that you would say that the Jaguars are doing something wrong by saying that they are going to try to maybe go a little further than other teams will go? But that doesn't mean you shouldn't play for them. Now, granted, they're 10 and 20 under Tom Coughlin since he was named president. And granted, their coach, Doug Maroney, has been on the hot seat almost since he was hired. And what Maroney has been saying this whole time is, hey, we're going somewhere. Well, we know two seasons ago they were going somewhere, almost to the Super Bowl with the fourth quarter lead over the Patriots. But now the narrative is back to the old Jaguars. And I'm sensitive to this because this is what happened with the Marlins. Every time we traded players, we'd hear from the union, we're going to have players not sign with the Marlins. The media would say, who would want to play for the Marlins when you know you're just going to get traded? Who would want to play for a team that only has one ring, two rings, actually, 97 and 03, but no chance to be competitive after that? Longest drought. And you know what players did every time we met with them? They said, listen, if you would just do me a favor and offer me one extra dollar than any other team, I'd be happy to be a Miami Marlin. And that's the same thing with the Jaguars. You think that players aren't going to want to play there? Are you telling your players to sign with another team for less money just to avoid going to the Jaguars? Is that what the union is saying? It can't be so. This was a shocking surprise. And if I'm the owner of the Jaguars, I'm doing two things right now. Number one, I'm undergoing a new president search. Coughlin, I agree there needs to be a change. I do not like the way he runs that team. Too heavy-handed, too involved, and too wrong. The results haven't been there. 10 and 20 isn't going to cut it. Number two, I'm going right to the commissioner's office, and I'm filing a grievance against the union. And what I'm alleging is tortious interference with a contract, which is my ability to actually run a team and contract with players to play on my team. It is unheard of that the union would do it, and they should be held responsible. And by the way, before you tweet me at David P. Sampson and get all crazed that I'm anti-union and pro-ownership and pro-league, just keep in mind that I'm not telling you that the Jaguars should have won their grievance. They shouldn't have. They violated the collective bargain agreement by fining Fowler and make, by making him appear off-season in their rehab facility. But it is a grand canyon of difference between violating the collective bargaining agreement, going through the grievance procedure, losing, 
versus the union stepping up and saying players should not be playing for your team. Here's a player who won't be playing for any team, and we just have to talk about it. We have to talk about Josh Gordon because this is a guy who was just suspended by the uh, league. It's his sixth suspension since 2013, his fifth for substance abuse. It got me thinking, at what point do we say that Josh Gordon is done in the NFL and that it becomes much more important to figure out how to help him and how to make sure that he is able to live his life healthy without dying? Now, you may be saying to yourself, and you did, because it's so you want to talk to Samson. This is what you wanted to talk about. On my Twitter account, at David P. Samson, all you have to do is go into the DM. Someone DM me and said, would you ever sign Josh Gordon? And the answer is, the reason why I wouldn't sign Josh Gordon is that I want to sign a player who has a chance to play. I want to sign a player who's going to be effective, and I'm going to give an extra chance to someone who's really, really good, I'm going to turn my back on a player who I know can be super, super helpful. But if it's a mediocre player or sort of a 25th man on a roster, it is not going to be worth my time. Josh Gordon was worth the Patriots' time. He was worth the Seahawks' time. But now he's not worth anybody's time. And the question is why? How did it get to this? Why is the NFL suspending indefinitely so many players? What are we doing that the, the rehab protocol for a player who violates the, the drug provisions, who's suspended for substance abuse, what are we doing with that player? Is it the responsibility of the league or is it the responsibility of the union? What about the player's agent? I know what you're going to say. Why isn't it the responsibility of the player? Yes, if you're watching this on CBS Sports HQ or just listening on the podcast or wherever you get this show, Nothing Personal, I will tell you that I'm about business. And people have to take responsibility for themselves. It's not up to the union. It's not up to the league. It's not up to the agent. This is up to Josh Gordon to get his life together. I'm not judging him if he goes out every day and smokes pot. If that's what he wants to do, have at it. But if he wants to be a professional football player, and that is in violation of the provisions of the agreement that he has under which he can be a professional football player, at some point as a team executive, you tip your cap and you wave your white handkerchief and you say, that's it. No more for you, Josh Gordon. You don't get another chance. The question is, will every team think that way? And just when you think that you've got a group of 32 owners who get together not in collusion, but they get together in their own offices, in their own rooms, and they say, you know what? That's enough for this player. Is that what happened with Colin Kaepernick? I think it's an ability issue. Is that what's going to happen with Josh Gordon? That's a way to see. But you know who it didn't happen to? Is Janoris Jenkins. We talked about Janoris Jenkins. You remember him. He is the Giants defensive back, their best player. We did a full segment on Nothing Personal where he tweeted out, that do your job, dot, 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 retard. He used that word. He called somebody, one of his fans or someone who was trolling him on Twitter, whatever the case may be. He didn't apologize. He said it was slang that's used in his culture. I did an entire segment how inexcusable that was and how his lack of understanding that just because that word is used in his culture and that's his slang, he's got to know the difference. Then the Giants released him. And I said to you, I guarantee you that he will be picked up. 
he will not be allowed to go through waivers. Sure enough, yesterday, a team that we watched play Monday Night Football last night, a team that we celebrated Drew Brees breaking the all-time record for touchdown passes in a regular season. The greatest game ever by a quarterback. One in completion. You're talking about a first ballot Hall of Famer probably on the podium of the all-time greats. Sorry, Dan Marino and all of your fans. Drew Brees is on that podium with Tom Brady. That's the team that is heading toward the playoffs. Yet they sat in their room and they said, you know what? We have an opportunity here and we're going to claim them. So let me tell you how that goes. It starts down at the GM level. The GM gets a call from a scout every day and also from his assistant GM who monitors the waiver wire. The assistant GM says to the GM, we've got Jenkins on waivers and gives him a list of all the players and says, here's when we have to claim him by. Then the GM goes to another assistant GM and finds out the money impact. What we'll have to pay Jenkins this year, what we'd have to pay him next year, what are the provisions of his contract? You go into a computer system. It used to be by paper when I first got into baseball. We actually had to go through and read the contract of a player to see if there were any special provisions because you end up assuming the contract of that player. So as it turns out, the Saints said, hey, here's the amount of money. We got $10 million next year. We got about a million dollars this year. I'm going to take it to the president. So he takes it to the president. And the president says, let's talk about this. Do we want Jenkins on our team? The GM says, from a football standpoint, we definitely do. The president says, all right, I'm going to make two calls before I speak to my owner. First group he calls, the sales department, PR department, marketing department. He starts with the PR department and finds out what's the scoop on Jenkins. What are people saying? Is there any sort of backlash over what he did? Then it moves on to the sales department. What impact would this signing have on our team? And then I have the salespeople go out and make some calls to some customers. Hey, we're thinking of bringing on a player like Jenkins. What's your view? All of these things happen. Then as the president, I make the decision to call the owner and say, our baseball department wants Jenkins. Here's the positives. Here's the negatives. And I will present the case to the owner, and the owner will have the final say. Not in every waiver claim we make, but in one that's as high profile as Janoris Jenkins, the owner will make the final decision. And in this case, the Saints said, we don't care what he said, we want to win games. You know, it's funny, all these teams, everyone's trying to win. I get it. I, I want to win every year. It's part of our DNA. When you're in sports, you you say to yourself, you're delusional, really. You say, this year we can do it. And you make moves during the offseason, all with the intention of trying to get better. Well, the Phillies are now in their second year in a row of trying to get better and make the playoffs after sort of a dry spell, after they went through a period of extreme success, both on and off the field. They signed a pitcher named Zach Wheeler. You've heard of him. We've discussed him. He was on the Mets. He's a middle-of-the-rotation starter. And he got $118 million over five years. I was okay with that sign. I thought the fifth year was a little high. I thought the AAV was a little much, but I'm fine. They need that. I said if they, they're counting on Wheeler to be the number one pitcher, it's probably not going to work out well. But if they're okay with him being middle of the rotation, then I think it's going to be fine. So Wheeler does a press conference because that's what you do. That was a very key part 
of our negotiating with free agents. We had to have the press conference. We very rarely, with a big free agent signing, we part of the agreement was they would have to come to town to, one, take a physical from our doctors in our community, and two, then we would do a press conference, and then three, some sort of community event where the player makes an appearance. Because, of course, when you sign a free agent like this, you're trying to milk it to make some money. You're trying to get more season ticket holders. You're trying to get more corporate sponsorships. So Zach Wheeler isn't flying to Philadelphia just for an hour of a press conference. If Philly's smart, there's a lot of stuff that goes on before and after the press conference. We'd have players meet our sales staff because the sales staff would love to meet a player. They don't get that chance and have that player motivate them and say hello and sign some autographs. Anything like that. So Zach Wheeler sits for his press conference and then it got a little weird. He actually said, coming from the Mets, and the Mets didn't want to retain him, I guess, he said that he's got extra motivation next season because of what Mets GM Brody Van Wagenen said about Wheeler. Now, as you know, I have been on Brody since the minute he took the job. There's no way that agents are competent to be the GM of a team, and Brody has shown that incompetence every step of the way. We know this. But what he did, I'll call it out, And I will say when I believe he's doing things wrong, but in this case, he did nothing wrong. What he actually said about Zach Wheeler is that we have a projection for what we believe Wheeler is worth, and the market was above what our projection stated. That is a perfectly reasonable statement. As a matter of fact, my response to Brody would be this. Where was that projection model when you were trading for Robinson Cano? Is that the same projection model that said that Cano was worth all the money you were going to have to pay him for the remainder of his contract? Did you use that model when you were an agent? I assume you would not have said that Cespedes was worth what you got him paid as his agent. Now that you're the team executive, you actually undid the negotiation you did when you were his agent. So I get that you have a projection model and you're smart to listen to it. And there's no question that Zach Wheeler's projection model is well below 118 over 5. All of that is great to say. Why would Zach Wheeler be offended by that? And why would he say that that gives me extra motivation now? I don't get it. He found a team to overpay. That's what all free agents are trying to do. It's fine. Do you remember last season when Andrew McCutcheon, he signed with the uh, oh, God, I'm completely blanking. Andrew McCutcheon signed a two-year contract to play center field with the same team, the Phillies, and he actually came out and said after he signed, when asked, why did you join the Phillies? He said, they offered me the most money, by far. That was awesome. We talked about it on CBS Sports HQ, and you can bet if nothing personal had episodes last year, that would have come up because that's a player doing what I dream of players to do. So Zach Wheeler, you got the 118 over five, congratulations. What is it about you that requires bulletin board material? This is something I've spent so much time in the clubhouse talking to players about because I thought going in, I was a fan when I started in Major League Baseball. And imagine being the president of a team and you're young. I was 31 when I started as executive vice president of the Expos. And so I tried to run the team. I was learning a lot every day. And one of the things, the misconceptions I had was that players would want to know when there's something going on and said by other teams or other executives or writers in other markets. 
So I remember speaking to both Montreal Expos players, and then I would even speak to Marlins players, even during our World Series year, where I would talk about, you know, the Yankees, we have no chance against the Yankees in the World Series. What do you think about that? And I remember Jack McKeon would talk to me and Pudge Rodriguez, and even Josh Beckett, who was a kid back then. And they would say, listen, it doesn't even matter what anyone says because they're not in this room. They don't know our team. They don't know what we're made of. And if I was taught, and I carried this lesson with me for the rest of my career, you want to surround yourself with players who don't require external motivation to do their job better. You want players who are internally motivated to succeed and to actually play above their level of skill. And if I am the owner of the Phillies today, I am extraordinarily concerned that my new free agent signing, and this is, I'm not making a bigger deal of this than it is. This is just another factor that we have to monitor as the Phillies continue into next season. And that's year number two of Bryce Harper, year number one of Joe Girardi. They have to figure out if they just signed a five-year deal with a player who may not be as mentally strong as they would hope. Zach Wheeler, you're good enough to pitch for the Phillies. You don't need bulletin board material or external motivation. And Brody, my only message to you is do me a favor. Take that projection model. Normally, if you were an agent, I would say shove it where the sun don't shine. But now that you're a GM, I would say take your projection model and actually do something positive with it. The Washington Nationals. Boy, we've had fun talking about that. And they won the World Series. Everything I understand what they're doing. I understand they signed Strasburg. I don't agree with it. I hate opt-outs. You know that. Strasburg opt-out and then got paid way more than he should have. MVP, I guess. Then they let Rendon go because the owners said we can only sign one of Strasburg and Rendon. So Rendon ended up signing a seven-year deal with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But what the Nats are doing now, it's mind-blowing. And I'm hoping we don't talk rumors a lot on nothing personal because I hate it. Because the rumors end up being untrue. And why would I give credence to leaks, the likes of which I used to initiate? But this one struck me. Why is it that the Nationals are flirting with Josh Donaldson and potentially offering him four years and $90 million? It can't be. Let's assume that it can't be, but then the segment would be over. So for purposes of the next few moments, let's assume the Nationals actually sat in a room and they said, we're going to let Rendon go because we can't do seven years at 35. But Josh Donaldson at 90 over four, that makes perfect sense. Now, if you do the math on 90 over four, right, you're talking about $22.5 million a year. So Donaldson at 22.5 versus Rendon for 35. Now let's look to see whether or not Donaldson is even can approach what Rendon can do over the course of just the four years. I'm going to ignore the last three years of Rendon for the moment. Donaldson signed a one-year deal for $23 million with the Braves last year. He had a successful year, and he put himself in a position by betting on himself to get a long-term deal. He is now, his boat is being lifted by the raising tide, by the rising tide of all the position player free agents and all the pitcher free agents who are getting numbers that far exceed what they should be getting given their age and ability. But for the Nationals, they were saving money in order to pay Juan Soto down the line. They were saving money to make sure that they had a chance, a chance to keep and rebuild the bullpen in order to keep Strasburg. 
in order to make sure that defending their World Series title was a possibility. I get why they feel they have to replace Rendon at third base, because they do. I understand. But why not take a one-year flyer on a player and have your scouts actually do work? Have a player like a Donaldson from last year who's got to take the one year because no one believes in him. He gets the one year and then he overperforms and then you let him go. I was at my best with the Marlins when I wouldn't give long-term deals to anyone. And we would have the bullpen closers, one and done, from Armando Benitez to Joe Borowski to Todd Jones, one and done. We stopped it when we gave Heath Bell a three-year deal and that was the beginning of the end for competitive teams in Miami. It's okay to have one-and-done players. You have to choose your core and then move on. For the Nationals, you've chosen your core. You've chosen Strasburg as your core, and you've chosen Soto and Turner as the beginning of your new core, and you're going to have to pay him. If you hold Donaldson now for four years, you are risking. You are risking not being able to add to your rotation to complement your bullpen and making sure you've got your powder dry for when Soto gets paid as he goes through the arbitration system. It was a mind-blowing rumor. It's one that I actually assume is not true because the Nationals were acting smart, and I hope they continue. So we get a chance to review a movie. I'm reviewing a movie that I saw, and the reason why I'm bringing it up now is that it was just shortlisted by the Academy Awards. What the Oscars do now, we're getting into Oscar season, my favorite time of year, they shortlist about 10 or 12 possibilities in each category of sort of the extra categories, not extra to me because I love them all. And Rocket Man was just shortlisted in the original song category. So I thought that I would talk about the movie and review it for those who haven't seen it. It was easy to miss because it came out during the summer. You may have been distracted. It's not getting a lot of attention now at all, which upsets me, because the job that Edgerton does, better than the guy who won Best Actor last year. Do you remember his name? Rami Malek. Do you remember what part he played? Yeah, he played Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, this is a movie called Rocket Man about the life of Elton John. And if you love his music like I do, I had no idea the life he led. A complete drug addict, a complete alcoholic, a completely broken home, miserable relationship with his parents, all of which captured perfectly on screen, other than the strange casting of Bryce Dallas Howard as the mother of Elton John. But this movie goes through his life as told from a current day Elton John to his other people in rehab when he finally decided to clean up. And that part is true. Elton John has cleaned up, did do stints in rehab, and now ends up being a father in his, not he's not an octogenarian, but he's certainly a septogenarian. He's still touring, doing his last tour, and now his life is on the big screen for everyone to see. But for So see the movie. But what I want to do today is give you my top five all-time Elton John songs, because even if you are a millennial, a Gen X, and you don't want to admit that you like Elton John, this is a safe zone. Like, this is our area. I want you to say to yourself, you know what? I'm okay to have musical taste that may make me cry, that may be a little non-electronic dance. Well, here's my top five. Number five. I guess that's why they call it the blues. If you listen to that song and you're not romantically inclined, I'm not exactly sure what you're doing. That's my number five. It's really been my number one forever, but his songs are so good that I guess that's why they call it the blues. Number five, you haven't heard it, listen to it. Number four, heard in the movie, almost famous, it's called Tiny Dancer. Maybe well-known to you, maybe not. Play it. 
Go to YouTube, listen to the first few seconds, you'll know it. Tiny Dancer. Number three, again, off the chart, off the beaten path. Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters. Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters. It talks about doctors and lawyers. You've heard it. That's number three. Number two is the namesake from the movie, Rocket Man. They named a movie after this song. How is it possible that it's only my number two song? The reason is that my number one all-time Elton John song, and this is a special moment, folks, because this is actually my all-time number one song. I keep lists of everything. I'm going to actually go through my top 100 movie list. I have a top song list. I have a top everything list. I have a bottom everything list. I'm a list guy. Songs. Your song is my all-time favorite song of all time. It appeared in the movie Moulin Rouge with Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. Rod Stewart did a cover of your song. So many different performers have covered that song because the lyrics, it's in the movie Rocket Man, the lyrics are mind-boggling. As a favor to me, I'll keep putting out content every day. If you've never listened to the lyrics of your song, that's my favor to you. I'm going to keep doing the show, and I appreciate that you keep listening and rating. Give a five-star, by the way. Don't be afraid. I was told by a guy I work with, his name is Eric. I call him Debo. He said five stars matter. Follow me on Twitter. But listen to the words of your song. You know you can look at lyrics while you're listening. You won't be sorry. Thank you, Elton. How about having leverage and using it? It's my favorite thing, actually, in the world. I love when I'm negotiating something, and I feel as though I know that I am wanted and needed. That means I've got leverage. Well, Urban Meyer, you know who that is? Former coach, Ohio State, national champion, rumored to be an NFL head coach next season. But the question is, where will Urban Meyer land? You think Urban doesn't know what's going on? Guess where he was this past weekend? He was seen watching the Washington Redskins play a game from a luxury suite. Perfect, Urban. Do you know who saw that? Jerry Jones did. Jerry Jones is deciding who is going to be his next coach after Jason Garrett. Daniel Snyder is deciding who's going to be his next coach after the interim Bill Callahan. Isn't it interesting? Two NFC East teams. I think there'll be a third because I think Shermer's going to get fired. But certainly two with two owners who will not let money get in the way of beating each other and going after something that they think they want, even though they don't have any idea what it is they want. And Jerry Jones has proven that as owner. Daniel Snyder has proven they will spend money. They don't necessarily spend it correctly, but they'll spend it. So Urban Meyer sits with his agent, and this is exactly how it goes. What is the way that we are going to parlay the Giants and Cowboys and the Redskins needing a new coach? What is a way to get under Jerry Jones's skin? They sit and they plan and they have this perfect epiphany. Let's get on TV at a Redskins game. Do you, let's add to speculation that I'm there scouting to see whether or not I like their roster better than any other roster in the NFL. Let's have people believe that I'm there even meeting with the Redskins. I don't have to say what I'm doing, but this only works if I'm public. I can't buy tickets and sit in section 320. I can't go with three kids and two agents and sit in row 22 of section 107. Not only do I have to be in a luxury suite, but I have to let, and this is the job of the agent, the agent has to let the broadcast network know that Urban Meyer is in the house and then where he is. So every time that you see a celebrity on camera during a game, 
Do you actually think that a cameraman is scanning around looking for a star, sees a star, and then puts it on the air? No. There's a list of exactly where the stars are, what section, what seats, and then what inning or what quarter or what moment of the game they're going to show that person on TV. And here's a better one. The person who's shown on TV knows they're going to be on TV. Because guess where you don't want to be when you're going to be put on TV? In the bathroom, online getting a hot dog. Nope, you want to be sitting right there because that's the purpose of your visit. Do you think there are celebrities who go to Dodger games who are not put on TV? Or celebrities who go to Nick games who are not Spike Lee and are not put on TV? Of course there are. They're actually there to watch games. I used to see Woody Allen at every Knicks game. He's a very big Nick fan. He would never be on TV or on the screen because it didn't interest him. This is before all the stuff with Woody Allen. I'm saying there are people who choose to be recognized and people who choose not to be. And when you are choosing to be recognized, there's a reason. You have a book to sell. You have an album that's dropping. You've got a movie that's coming out. You've got a TV show that is about to be started either on Netflix or on a regular network. Urban Meyer, you're a free agent who's about to go into the possible NFL coaching sewing circle of a guaranteed guaranteed coach who's going to have a job next season. I give him all the credit in the world. He did it exactly right, and boy, is he going to get paid. Urban, that's a thumbs up from here at Nothing Personal because God knows that was good business. You know who else does good business? That seems like a funny segue. I was thinking a lot about David Stern today. Uh, David Stern basically built the NBA. Uh, he was commissioner for 20 years. The NBA released a statement uh, saying that he's still hospitalized. He's still in very serious condition. I don't think that's actually a category. He's just in serious condition. No one has heard exactly what happened. We know he had a brain hemorrhage, but we just don't know for sure how bad it is. Brain and hemorrhage don't go well together. It doesn't seem good. And he built a business and an international business at that. And there are players who are smart enough to take advantage of the international nature of the National Basketball Association. And there's no greater market to maximize your earning potential than China. I want to revisit a story from early on in Nothing Personal. Just for a moment, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, you remember his tweet where he was supportive of Hong Kong and it was sort of against China and China basically boycotted when the NBA was playing preseason games in China. It became a huge story and then it disappeared. What's funny is those stories don't disappear when it comes to the people who are actually dealing with them. The NBA is still dealing with the fallout from the Daryl Morey tweets. Why is it that the NBA has to deal with it? How much money is actually at stake? Well, here's an example to show you how much money is at stake. Ever heard of a player called Tracy McGrady? Tracy McGrady, he's a good guy, good player. I don't think he won a championship. He was fun to watch, explosive to the rim. He had a moderate career, maybe a Hall of Famer. But you know what he does? He is one of the top five players of all time in China. Look at him making an appearance in Beijing. Video came out that shows him getting to a mall for an appearance. It is packed as though the Beatles are coming. I've never, it's like the Jonas Brothers or Bieber. I've never seen anything like it. 
There is no mall appearance that any professional athlete does. Even Jordan in his heyday. LeBron James when he's winning titles with the Heat or the Cavs. There is no American player in America who goes to an American mall and gets the type of reception that Tracy McGrady got. Keeping in mind, Tracy McGrady is not a current player. You're talking about a retired player in the NBA. Think about that for a minute. Think about Brett Favre making a mall appearance in Green Bay. That's the best example. You know what happens to Brett Favre in Green Bay? There's a line. People want an autograph for sure. But what Tracy McGrady and happened in Beijing, it was a zoo requiring a hundred security people protecting him like he was one of the two popes. That's a movie we're going to review later. Two popes, Jonathan Price. Why is Tracy McGrady so big in China still? That is the whole reason why the NBA is still dealing with the fallout of the Daryl Morey tweet. Because China is a never-ending spigot of money for the National Basketball Association. Literally, it doesn't stop. They do broadcast deals. They have digital deals. They have appearance deals. They are buying uniforms, product, jerseys, everything. It is hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to the NBA. And you think players don't want a part of that? Do you remember a player in the NBA named Stefan Marbury? You probably don't. He was fine in the NBA. Decent. He is a superstar in China. He embraced China. He embraced everything that China had to offer. The culture, the people. Oh, yeah, the money. Stefan Marbury committed to China. He visited. You think Dwayne Wade goes to China every offseason because that's on his bucket list? Do you think for one minute that he doesn't want to travel and see the rest of the world? No, he's got to go to China because he does business there. You think Tracy McGrady wants to do a mall visit? Do you think somehow as a retired player, he gets off by going to malls and having thousands of people actually say, I love you, Tracy? No, he does it because this is how he keeps revenue coming for himself. And I give him credit for doing it. Why not make the trip? How many times do baseball players not have the desire to leave their couch and do any self-promotion? I fight with the players every day. Get out more. Do more. Build yourself a brand. Tracy McGrady did it. Marbury did it. Wade did it. Harden. James. The NBA gets it. MLB doesn't. Tracy McGrady, you still got it. I'm super happy for you. My pick of the day was such a dud. How would I know that Drew Brees would have that kind of game? How would I, did anyone predict that he was going to go four touchdown passes, no interceptions, go 29 to 30, over 300 yards, and crush the Colts who looked like Frank Wright didn't even show up? That's their coach. That nine-point gift was the worst call I've had. It's time to get off the schneid, and I'm doing it. I'm going back to basketball. It's time to win again with the NBA. Anyone remember Zion Williamson? Remember how excited the Pelicans were to get Zion? I'm just curious, has he played yet for the Pelicans? Anybody here at CBS Sports HQ? Anybody want to yell to me? Has Zion Williamson played one minute or scored one basket for the Pelicans? I've got confirmation it's zero. That was my wait to see that he'd be out way more than the six to eight weeks. I won that wait to see. The Pelicans have lost 12 in a row. They're a disaster. You think that AD is happy to be out of town? You're a loyal, nothing personal listener. A.D., Anthony Davis, gone. 
Guess what? The Nets are only giving two points, which shows that the Nets are only a half a disaster. I like the Nets giving two over the Pelicans. And here we go. Wait to see. Well, here's the wait to see. We talked a little bit about it before. We talked about the fact that I won the Zion Williamson wait to see. This is a part of the show where each day I'll say something, much like on my Twitter at David P. Sampson. I'll say, this is going to happen. Wait to see. Because I'm taking a position, and then I'm taking responsibility for that position. In this industry of sports, politics, too many people do not ever take responsibility for what they say. They actually just talk, and then if they're wrong, they move on to the next thing. Not me. When I'm wrong, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to recognize it. Today, I've got one that's a little bit more long-term. You saw that Drew Brees passed both Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in terms of all-time touchdown passes regular season. Well, if I had to choose one player right now to have on my team to win a game and my choice is between Tom Brady and Drew Brees, I'm taking Drew Brees. He's a better quarterback today than Tom Brady. He'll be a better quarterback tomorrow than Tom Brady. So my way to see is for the rest of their careers, starting today, Drew Brees will have more touchdown passes regular season than Tom Brady. Why am I so confident? Have you looked at Tom Brady recently? He is not the quarterback he used to be. I don't blame him. Age actually happens to everyone. It's the ultimate equalizer. It's going to catch Tom Brady if it hasn't already. It will also catch Drew Brees, but he like went into the hot tub time machine last night. He cost me my pick, and he showed me that he's a guy who's going to be far better off than Tom Brady. From the Patriots' standpoint, they're saying to themselves, we're holding on. We're definitely holding on because they always say the same thing, those Patriots. They look at me and they say, hey, Samson, this is just business. And I say to them, you're right. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.